starting a new sermon series today, Generous in Every Way, and today we're talking about time. Americans have more time-saving devices and less time than any other people in the world. We need to give some serious thought to the way we choose to spend our time. It's as if we expect the devices that are time-saving to allow us to do more and more and more But in actuality, one of the key things we need to do is prioritize what are the important things and then direct our time towards those. If we don't, we could end up with some serious regrets in life. If we don't pick what the priorities are and focus towards them. For example, you may have heard of Dennis Rodman, the flamboyant basketball player. He won an NBA championship with the Bulls and the Pistons. As a matter of fact, has the best rebound average ever in the NBA with over 23 rebounds a game. That's amazing if you know the game. But he's a serious partier, and uh, even though he made a lot of money, when he received his award recently for the Hall of Fame, he stood up and he said, my biggest regret is, and he started to cry. And then he said, I wish I was a better father. Here's a guy who had money, fame, and the party scene, lots of pleasure, but he missed a big thing in life, and he's wounded because of it. Time is like money. You can only spend it once, but we don't seem to see it as a valuable resource. Ephesians 5 says this, so be careful how you live. There's some thought towards life. Be careful. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. We're going to talk about time. Let's pray before we do. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and touch our hearts with truth. I pray that your truth would set us free. I pray, Lord, that we could see what you see as important and that we could find simplicity and balance in life that would bless us incredibly. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So three thoughts about time. Three points I want to give you today. And the first is really pontificating the obvious. Our time is limited on this earth. Why do you want to take seriously your time? Because your time is limited. John 14.5, or rather, I'm sorry, Job 14.5, Job says this, you've decided, he's talking to God, you've decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live. And we're not given a minute longer. I had a first cousin, 48 years old, died of heart failure this week in Missouri. We thought she was going to live longer. We thought she'd be around longer. But she's gone. James 4.14 says, What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So we only have so much time on this earth. And a good question for us is, what are we doing with that time? Karen and I yesterday went with some of her family members, uncles, aunts, her dad, her brother, to visit the graveyard where many of her family members are buried. And it was kind of unusual. You know, I went to 36 schools before I graduated from high school. I... Tualatin's my home city for life because I've been here for, uh, let's see, 22 years of my life. Uh, It's the most I've been someplace. But it's so weird to see her relatives there in the graveyard 
buried side by side are her great-grandparents on both sides in Silverton, uh, Oregon. Peter Schmidt, who came over from Hungary with his family. And, 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 um, and then uh, Olaf, what a cool name to be in your family. Olaf Gunderson, who was also on, on her grandmother's side. Uh, they're buried side by side in this graveyard. And then, and then there are other family members that, that of, of, the, of the Schmidts that are just everywhere in that graveyard. And we're moving around. And now, now this year, for the first time, her, her mother's there. And when I looked at her great-grandparents' graveyard and then her grandparents and, <clears throat> and then we went to her mother's grave and then we saw one family member from way back that died at four years old with the gravestone. And then I saw 21-year-olds and 45-year-olds and the one thing you get, the idea that comes ringing true is you only have so much time. That little dash, you know, it starts with this date that you were born and the year you were born, then the little dash and then this year that you die, that little dash represents our lives. What are we doing with our lives? Time is limited. The hourglass of your life is moving. I am moving closer to my physical end every day. Ecclesiastes 7, 2, because this, 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 you know, this is kind of morbid thinking, you might think, but the, the Bible says this, it's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. Let me give you Stan's translation of the Bible, that's uh, STB, and, and it's this, it's better to go to a funeral than a party, because death is the destiny of every person. It is wisdom to think about life being limited and living it in such a way that you fulfill your purpose in life before you're gone. Because God has something special for every one of us. What are you doing with your life? What am I doing with my life? Are we living in such a way to leave a positive legacy? The cool thing about Karen's family is I've, I've never seen anything like it. We went to a family reunion and I think there were 110 people or so. This was about a decade ago. There was, there was only one couple there that didn't know the Lord. That's amazing to me. But it started with Olaf and Peter. <laughs> Great grandpas, just living for God. And generation after generation has followed God. And they loved God and they loved their families and they served mankind and they were great people. And when they were done, I believe the Lord said, well done, well done. Are we going to leave a positive legacy? If we are, it starts now with thinking about our lives and the way we spend our time. Second thought when it comes to time. We must be careful to do those things that matter most. When it comes to life and your time and your life, you must be careful to do those things that matter most. In Haggai, we see the people of God, the book of Haggai in the Bible, and uh, they're just kind of going through life, doing their thing. That's, that's the way a lot of us live our lives, too. Just kind of doing whatever and bouncing around and all of our stuff, and they lost focus. Now, in this case, God had something for them to do, and it was building a temple, and they were just thinking of their own homes and their own stuff. But I want you to look at the words he says. He's speaking to a people that are distracted. And God says to them, 
Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. So whether you are seven or 77 today, I want to encourage you to give careful thought to your ways. He says to this people, you've planted much but have harvested little. Wow, there's a thought of productivity here. Did you know people who produce and are productive in life for the things of God are the happiest people in the world? The most fulfilled? He says to them, you eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. They're distracted just going through life. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. You ever feel like that a little bit? Keep getting money and it keeps going away. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. And then he goes on to tell them, I've got something for you to do. If we're not careful, the important things of life will get swallowed up by the unimportant things. And we'll have no productivity and no legacy that is positive when it comes to an end. Because there's a negative life that can be lived and then there's a wasted life. Maybe you didn't live it negatively, but it just wasted because all the good in you didn't come forward to bless and to be blessed. I thought of time wasters. What are some time wasters? Well, we kind of hit it on a little bit, but accumulation of wealth. Materialism, some call it. We can live our lives towards that. And to be honest with you, all of our culture teaches that. It's not what God teaches, but the American culture teaches get money. As a matter of fact, the whole focus is on get money so you can have more pleasurable things and have more pleasurable time and rest and get to the point where you don't have to do stuff. God's, God's focus isn't like that at all in the Bible. God's focus is always purposeful with something awesome happening to bless others and, 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 to, and to be productive, to bring a harvest. Getting wealth. There's a guy who dies in the Bible and the word is spoken, you fool. His barns are full. He accumulated wealth. And he dies with his barns full, full, and the word says, today your soul is required of you. The point is, all you did was think about the accumulation of these things. Never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. Can't take any of that with you. Can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Treasure's up in heaven. And we can waste our lives just making sure that we're okay till the day we die and leave it for someone else. Or, and listen, there's nothing wrong with making money because God uses resources to do amazing things. But to make that your main pursuit can be a total distraction in life because there's other things that are important that can get ignored, including family. You ever seen any, somebody who had a lot of money but it totally ignored their family to get it? And it brought great pain. Here's some more practical time wasters. Did you know that the average American, I looked, I looked um, at some surveys and they're varying this week, but the average American spends 15 to 25 hours a week watching television. That's a changing number because the internet is now split with younger people. 12 hours of TV and about 12 hours of internet usage. Now, Television can be used for the glory of God, and the internet can too. But don't, I mean, for sure, we can waste time there, can't we? 
Sometimes we're just letting time be burned up. And it's okay to rest and relax, but if we let it eat up our time and then say we're so busy we can't do things, you know, are we busy about the wrong things? It's just some thoughts I'm bringing today. What if we recaptured that time? Here's another huge uh, time waster, the video games. There's an epidemic of adult people, adult men especially, being addicted to video games. As a matter of fact, there, I, I've been doing some reading in the World of Warcraft and Guild Wars or role-playing games that, that, that just steal people away from their loved ones. Some of them are losing their jobs because they're so captured by this. I read one story about a young man. It was his own story saying, my wife just told me that I need to stop World of Warcraft playing this game because she never gets to be with me when I'm home. And it was either me, it was either her or the game. He said, there's no question, I'm taking the game. That's what he said on the inline, online rather. Man, when you're that captured by stuff, you are messed up. Here's one that might surprise you that I would say sports. I don't mean to discourage anyone here, and there's always one in a hundred thousand, but the great likelihood is your kids are not going to be professional athletes. And they're not most likely to be scholarshiped at the college level. As a matter of fact, the scholarship that you could get which would probably be a small private school or a smaller school, they could get the same amount of money working minimum wage because they don't give full rides at those places. Did you know Division I baseball? This might surprise you. I found this out. They don't give full rides to anybody. Division I baseball. They give half academic and half um, sports because they've learned that the academics, the people who have their academics together, don't fail when they get to school. Well, the truth is, you're, you're not making them any, any, any money, really, or saving any time by doing it. If they love it, it's one thing. If they're good at it, and there can be people who are professionals, I believe they'll rise up out of our ranks and even out of our school. But predominantly, they're not going to be pro athletes. So why do we put them in three sports all year long, have 200 practices, get them a private coach, and then say... I'm sorry they're so busy we can't come to church. And then we're surprised when they love sports when they grow up and they don't like the church so much. We've taught them sports is more important. Now, I like sports, right? I've been criticized about liking sports. Uh, you know, I talk about it too much, maybe. But let's get real. We make ourselves so busy by doing things we don't have to do. Pick one sport. You know, if they, if they love it, uh, you know, let them go. If they, if they don't love it, then let them out. And you can say this about music or anything else. I'm just saying some of these things can distract us. Not a bad thing. Sports can be used for the glory of God. Music, obviously, can be used for the glory of God. But if they distract you from the things of God and the true important things in life, then, then we're just getting messed up. We're not getting blessed. We're, and we're messing people up. You know, if the enemy can't make you live a sinful life, you know what he'll do to keep you from being productive as a believer? He'll distract you. So you waste your time and it won't be used for anything that is valuable. Reminds me of a 
basketball play I saw on YouTube where a high school team had four guys on the block, the key, and one of them moved to the side right in front of the inbounder, got on all fours and started barking like a dog really loud. And the other team looked at him like, has this guy gone mad? And when the other team looked, the inbounder threw it to one of his guys and they laid it in and won the game at the buzzer. And the team that got distracted just said this, what happened? And I think the enemy can distract you and me in such a way that we come to a point in our lives where we say, what happened? I, I didn't, I was just looking. I was just, I didn't mean for it to just slip and get by. And oh, and now there's a, there, there's a price. There's something that's lost because I didn't watch closely. Hobbies can be great, and the Lord can use hobbies. But man, some people get into their hobbies 40, 50 hours a week, ignore their families, ignore God, ignore the important things in life. Don't let, it, you, you know, balance is a key. Don't let things steal you away from what's truly important in life. A life focused on just self will be a miserable life in the end. Ecclesiastes 7.4, a wise person thinks a lot about death. What? Who ever heard such a thing? A wise person, the Bible says, God says a wise person knows that their life and their time is limited and they think about it. While a fool thinks only about having a good time. And our society says, pleasure, good time. Think of self first. 1 John 2.15 says this, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. Now that's not talking about people. It's talking about the distractions that I've been talking about. The things of the world are these things that bring pleasure and build our own little kingdoms here. For when you love the world, you do not love, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For this world offers only a craving for physical pleasure a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. That's everything I've been talking about, right? These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Distractions. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So let's talk about what pleases God. And here's the thought. Again, we're on this second point. We must be careful to do the things that matter most in life. So what are they? Well, let me give you a little list of things that matter most in life. Your list might vary a little bit, but if you're looking in the Bible, it's going to be pretty close to the one I'm giving you. First, we see that the first priority is our relationship with God, which we find in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, who God the Father offered up as a sacrifice for our sins that we might be restored to right relationship with the Father. Matthew 22 says this, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's first. You think, oh, I'm giving up so much. The truth is that's where the blessing really starts to flow for your life. When you start to love God with all your heart, everything else starts to get better. He starts to speak to you, to lead you, to guide you, to bless you, and he helps every aspect of your life get better. That's why he needs to be first. Most importantly, you need Jesus 
in your heart to receive eternal life. No one comes to the Father but through the Son, the Bible tells us. There's no other name by which we can be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. It has to start with God. We're gonna move quick. And you know, for those of you who may not do the notes, anytime you see uh, a line underneath something, it means that that's a blank in your notes and that's a fill-in spot. I'm gonna go fast through this. So either you're gonna have to write fast right now or you got a little Bible study coming for you later if you want all these as you look up these scriptures. But I I, I wanna be conscientious of the fact that you gotta write. But the next one is family. We see that in the Bible. Ephesians 5 says that a, a husband should love his wife, that a wife should respect her husband. Joshua 24, verse 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So you can see the priority of God first, but family coming in there that my focus is for my family to know and to love God and for me to be close to my family as well. We can see that in the word. It's true that some people can get so distracted with family that they never do anything in ministry and that's out of balance. By the way, all these good thing, things, anyone lived out of balance can be a, a life that's not going well as well because it's all these things lived in balance. That's a key. You can say, my family's number one at the exclusion of everything else and God doesn't get glorified anywhere. You can say, also, God's number one and spend so much time with him that you're, you're never with God or ministering to others or never with your family or others. God wants you to be with him, but then he wants to flow through your life to bless others. And so it's, it's balanced. But sometimes... People are doing so much ministry that their families are forgotten. God certainly doesn't want that. As a matter of fact, I remember a time in my life where I was a young minister. Karen and I were serving in a position called the district youth director for the Assemblies of God. There's 200 churches that we were having oversight. There were 34 events a year that I had to manage. 20 of them were youth camps. And I traveled about 30,000 miles a year in my car and spoke at over 100 churches. That's a busy life. And then our kids started coming, and Aaron came first. And I remember that Karen traveled with me about 90% of the time before our children came, because we were committed to being together. If we're going to do this, let's do this together. Then Aaron came, and it was 80% of the time. Then Candace came, and it was 60%. Candace is a lot of work. And, and so... Good work, though. Great work. Ooh, I'm in trouble on that one. Let's go shopping or something, yeah. She's here. But I I remember that I I was realizing I couldn't minister to my family effectively because they were taking me, uh, the, the ministry was taking me away. I couldn't get to them. And I had to make a decision, I'm not going to do as much in ministry anymore. I just have a question for you. Who sets your schedule? Who makes up your schedule? Who makes up my schedule? Yeah, me. And you do yours. So I decided that in the winter camps that I was going to come home halfway through the camp. And I remember leaving that camp that day. There were seven weekends in a row that we did winter camps. And as I was driving down the hill, knowing that I was leaving them behind and that they were going to have services and I wouldn't be there to manage, also realizing that there were good people who were there that were leaders that had it in hand. But I felt guilty. I don't know if you've ever felt this way. And I got home and I remember uh, in the evening, that evening, it was the first time I had done this and I wasn't at the camp and 
Aaron's laying, he's 18 months old. He's laying on his belly. I'm laying on my belly in his room and he's coloring and we're laughing and he's jumping around. And I remember looking at my watch and it was 7.15 and I thought, they're in service right now. And I had this rush of guilt that probably came from the enemy, not God. And I, I said, man, I should be there to myself. That's what I thought, I should be there. And I looked at Aaron and he was coloring and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, this is better than that. Living life in balance where you get to be with this little guy and your family, this is better than that. It's not at the exclusion of that. It's in balance. And life lived in balance towards God's priorities, that's the key. God wants us to have church be a focus. And not, not, not a physical building, but the church. That's people, right? So the people who say, I don't believe in the, uh, the organized church, quite often aren't connected to believers in their, you know, in their regular lives. And if they're not connected truly to believers in a, in, a, in a relational way, they're not living out the truth of the word. It's a priority because we see in Galatians 6, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And then in 1 Peter 1.22, have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. How can you love someone deeply from the heart if you're not connected to them in a relationship? That has to be a part of your life if it's going to go well. That's a priority to God. Because they need you and you need them. Now, we understand we need people, but often enough... We as Christians don't realize or have the thought they need us. And they do need us to minister. Well, and then work. That's part of it, right? God says in Colossians 3, work willingly at whatever you do. As though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And then we see in Proverbs, hard work brings rewards. So God wants us to work and but if you let work dominate your life, that's a problem, right? But if you do it in balance, you have the rewards you need for life that's productive. You have rewards that you can have to send it on ahead as treasure uh, unto God in heaven that'll be waiting for you when you get there. And you won't have near as much trouble in life. Work's a good thing. Unless there's too little. I love that scripture that says, as the door turns on his hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. That's the coolest word ever, sluggard. I just think that's a cool word. King James is kind of cool in many ways. I, so if we're a sluggard or, or we let work take hold of us and we let it dominate our lives, now we're out of balance. But it's a good thing in balance. It's good. And then here's one that I don't think you and I probably have given enough uh, credit, and that's Rest. God says it's a priority for your life. And I, I added uh, recreation, but you see how I, how, how I split that word, recreate. Did you know that's the root for recreation? Recreation can dominate your life, but when you get rest, or you move into a hobby, or you just find some space in your life, all of that in balance, you start to breathe a little better, think a little better, and to me, you get that 40,000 foot view of life when you rest not just what's right in front of you because you're so busy. And so you make better decisions when you rest. And we can see it, I believe it's still for today, not to be lived out as the, as, as the Sabbath was in the Old Testament, but it's still a priority. We see it in Exodus, one of the Ten Commandments, is to rest to honor the Lord. 
I think it'd be great if you find a day to worship and rest. I think you ought to be careful to find a day a week where you're not just jamming everything at home for work in because you didn't have time because of work during the week. You need some downtime. It's a God principle. And so all of these things lived out in balance bless our lives. And God says, these are things that I want you to live out right here. The additives, the things we throw in with all of our time-saving devices can get in the way of what's important. To live out the priorities he gives us in balance is to discover the best life possible on this earth. Okay, so I just read the majority of the priorities that would, that would bless your life. And to live those out in balance is to discover the best life possible on this earth. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Did you know that he steals, he kills, and he destroys with our time as well? He's just stealing time away from us with the non-essentials, the unimportant. But it says that Jesus came to give us a rich and satisfying life. Where do we find that rich and satisfying life? We find it when we live out the balance of the things that he says is important. That's where the rich, satisfying life is. When does that abundant life really kick in? When we follow. We follow the truth of his word. And the third thought about time. We are each responsible to take hold of and order our own lives. Colossians 4, 5. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. That's talking about an eternal perspective towards people who don't know God. But then it says this, and here's the King James that's so poetic. I actually really like the King James Version. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, like, you know, when it says diverse places or diverse places, it means uh, various, and diverse to us is someone underwater, right? Uh, but, but it's still just the coolest version of the Bible because it's so poetic and it's very accurate. And I like the, the usage of, of, so I'm using the King James on this verse here where it says redeeming the time. I just really, we're responsible to redeem the time. I can come to you and say, get your act together or think about this and give you a lot of good reasons, but unless you decide it's something you want to do, you won't do it. God can come in various and sundry ways. I'm in the King James mode. And, and when, he, when he does, he can speak to our hearts, but unless we say, I will take hold of my own life and my time and live it towards what's important, unless we do that, it doesn't happen. Years ago, when I was the district youth director for the Assemblies of God, I was... Um, I had oversight of missions trips with young people. And one of those 34 events was a trip to a foreign nation. I had 65 kids that were going to Mexico. And uh, I had to get a check, and I believe the check was uh, fifty dollars or $60,000. That I had to cash it so we'd have money for our hotels and our food. Everybody had paid. We were all set. The training had happened. We were all going to meet at the airport the next day. And I found out that I couldn't cash this check in Salem, where I was living at the time in that area. I had to go to Portland to the main branch because the check was so big and they were uncomfortable with it. So I set up a time where I would drive on Friday afternoon. I would leave at about 3 or 3.30, drive the hour to Portland, cash the check before they closed at 5 o'clock, 
And then we'd, we'd be ready for our trip monetarily so we could, I mean, the trip is in jeopardy if I don't have this cash. Because this is how you move in a foreign country, right? A visa doesn't work for those large numbers. They won't do it in those settings. And we're splitting the team up so we have to give cash to people when they go. In various, so, so I'm, I'm all set. Then someone comes into my office at about 2.50. And I was going to leave at about 3. I don't know if I got the time just right, but I'm around it. They need ministry. They're hurting. So I start to minister to this person and I lost track of time. It's a good thing I'm doing, right? I'm ministering to this person. You know, you could get distracted with good things. You can be distracted from what's best sometimes. And uh, we're going to, as it turned out, 300 people came to Christ on that trip in Mexico City. And so I'm, I'm watching, I'm not watching the time rather. I'm ministering to this person and all of a sudden after an hour and a half, I look at the clock and realize, oh my word, the bank closes at five o'clock and I have 25 minutes to get to Portland. And, and the trip is in jeopardy if I don't have this cash. So I say to this person who's in dire need, love you, bye, and I'm gone, you know. I go out and I realize when I get in the caravan that I own that the only way I'm going to make it to Portland is to drive that caravan 100 miles an hour. And I made a decision. I decided that I would drive 100 miles an hour. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying I did it. That's what I'm saying, okay? (laughs) I would jeopardize getting the ticket because it was a bigger deal to miss the cash and not have it when we get on that plane the next day. I am flying down the freeway. And then just before Woodburn, I look down and I am completely on empty. And I realize that I have another decision to make. Either I pull over and stop at Woodburn and get gas, and I know I would miss it for sure if I did that, or I risk running out of gas and just dying on the freeway and not making it anyway. And I made a decision, I have to risk it. So I am flying at 100 miles an hour. You didn't even know a caravan would do 100. Down the freeway, on empty, not knowing what's going to happen. And it's a terrible place to be to ask God to bless you as you're driving 100 miles an hour down the freeway. (laughs) But I was praying that he would help me. I didn't run out of gas. I got there at about three minutes after five and some guy in a security uniform was locking the door and I begged him, I have to get in there. I have to get in there. I held the check up and he said no and he pointed to the clock and I said, "I talk to them, please. I need to get in here. And so he went and talked to the vice president and she came out and they, I barely got in under. Now here's my question. Do you think God was pleased with me driving 100 miles an hour down the freeway? He wasn't. He didn't like it any more than you legalists out there right now as you're thinking. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Should I have had gas in that tank? Should I have planned better? Should I have watched my time closer? I should have. Should I have let someone else distract me with a good thing from doing what was best that would actually net a better result down the road? I shouldn't have let them distract me. I should have known what I was doing. I should have focused and I should have been ready. And I got away with that one, but not long down the road, I was stuck in a foreign country with no money because I didn't cover my bases again and watch things the way I should have. You won't get away with it forever. 
I had to beg in Argentina for money from passengers to get the tax because they wouldn't take my visa card. You ever had to beg before? Go to another person, can you give me $15? I don't know you, but I'll pay you when we get to the other. I mean, it's embarrassing. Especially when they turn their back on you, which happens, you know. (laughs) They thought I was a beggar, and I was, but not normally. I had to learn to take care of things and get my time in order and take hold of things. And we can blame everything else and everybody else, but I think that you can do that if you're not careful in life. You can let good things distract you from best. You can try a hundred things and not be able to do any of them well. Or you can get your act together and take personal responsibility. Now, If I'm going to get my priorities right, I have to do two things. Perhaps you want to write this down. A, determine what I need to do that I am not. And B, determine what I am doing that I must stop. Because you're already busy, so, so, so you can't add things. But you're not doing the priorities that God says are important. So you must subtract something. You are responsible for your own life. So what are you not doing that you should, and what are you doing that you shouldn't be doing that you can let go? Perhaps you're doing something, you're just doing too much, and you need to moderate it. But the point is, we have to take responsibility. I don't know what it is for you. I don't even know what it is for me sometimes. It seems like... Every now and then, I, you never get this completely figured out. It's not like a one-time decision, and then it's all done in life. You figured it out. Continually, you have to come back to say, am I out of order in my life? Am I living towards what's important, or am I letting the non-essential, non-important dominate me? And at any given time, we can slip into something where we have to moderate it and say, nope, nope. Or we can say, I'm not going to do that anymore because that's keeping me from this. I'm not asking you to do more. I'm not asking you to get more tired. I'm telling you to live towards what's important so you don't have to get tired. Prioritize. Rest. Recreate. Be with your family. Be with God. Be with the body of Christ. Do the ministry that God has called you to, ministry to others. But do it in the balance of what's important in life, not being dominated by others. Now, if, if there's one line that's the takeaway today, it's this one. And there's, there's not a blank to fill in, so look on the screen. Living out the correct priorities without additives is the key to a balanced and happy life. Living out the priorities, the correct priorities, without additives, all that other stuff added in, is the key to a balanced and happy life. Take, take charge of your own life. Take hold of it. There may be someone here saying, you don't understand, they make me work 60 hours a week. They couldn't make me do it. I might do it for a while, but I might do it forever. You know why? Because there's too much that has to be ignored for the rest of life, and it'll wound us and hurt us. You might have to live with it for a while, but you do not have to live with it forever. God help us. 
to take responsibility and know that the only reason he speaks these things to us in his word is because he loves us. He loves you. He's trying to help you and bless you. He's not trying to hurt you. So I I want you to, if you would, please, if you'd just work with me for a moment, take out that communication card, that white card that's in the seat back in front of you there, unless you're on the front row, and then I don't know where it is for you. Um, Reach back, I guess. You two ladies on the front row here, since we're going to single you out. Um, (laughs) Now look, look on the backside in that square at the top. And it says, my next step today is, and I'm just going to ask you to really think about this, and you're going to talk about this in your small groups. You're going to pray that God would help you to determine what it is that you need, or where it is that you need to make changes if you're part of a small group this week as we join in our small groups. But my next step today is, and I have two things listed there, stop doing that thing that is distracting me. I don't know what it is for you, but if there's something... I'm not talking in general. If there's something specific that the Lord's speaking to you, I want you to encourage you to check that. And by doing so, you're saying, all right, I'm, I'm gonna work, Lord. I, I hear you saying that. I'm, I'm gonna respond. Or it may be the second box there, stop doing that thing, or I'm sorry, purpose in my heart to do that which God says is important. Maybe there's something he's telling you to pick up. First box, you're putting something down. Second box, you're saying, God, I hear you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick it up, whatever it is. Maybe it's the family thing. Maybe it's that time with God, that very first thing. But I, I, I want to encourage you, the dynamic of this sermon will only bless your life if you take hold. It's not made to feel anybody, you know, we don't want anybody feeling guilty. God doesn't want to condemn anybody. I certainly don't want to condemn anybody. But if we take hold, blessing comes. Take hold of the things of God. Ephesians 5, 15. This is our memory verse. We read it earlier, but I'm adding the the 17th verse this time as I read it. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Making the most of every opportunity in these evil days. That's taking hold of it. Don't act thoughtlessly. We're thinking about this today. But understand what the Lord wants you to do.